because the end result, the end point of our coming together in God's presence is not just to feel good or just appease God. That God, you know, some people by Wednesday they're telling God, but you know I went to church on Sunday. So all these things that are not happening well, me, I don't understand it too. Because you know I was in church on Sunday. I see if you can bribe God for coming to church today. Praise God. But when you decide that you're going to make progress and you're going to measure your progress, especially spiritually, God delights in that. God delights in that. Many of us here are executives. You run businesses and all. You measure the progress of your business. So when third month right now, you know at the end of uh, March, you'll be doing Q1 analysis, you know, appraising performance and how has business fared and, you know, have we met our goals and all that. But a lot of the time, we do all that, and some of us even have great tools with which you do that, but yet you don't pay attention to your, to your soul and to your spirit. Yeah. You, there, there's no way you're measuring progress. The book of Third John, uh, verse 2, the Bible says, uh, I wish above all things that you prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. But how do you measure soul prosperity? It says the step of a good man is like shining light. It shines brighter and brighter onto the perfect day. How do you measure your spiritual development that your light is shining brighter in the midst of darkness? How do you start to, do, are you paying attention to that? That's what I'm saying. Are you paying attention? Are you paying attention? Because you can be stinkingly rich. You can be making serious progress in business or career, but yet you are emotionally bankrupt. Completely bankrupt emotionally. And spiritually dry, as dry as Sahara Desert. Spiritually. Because when we talk about prosperity, some people just think about their bank account, their balance. You know, that's all they think about. But you need to bring it into perspective and be able to ask yourself the question, am I making progress emotionally? Because when you are not okay, your soul is not prospering and you are emotionally bankrupt. That's what can lead a multi-billionaire to commit suicide. Because you're emotionally bankrupt. And everybody's saying, you are, you are okay, you are making, and he said, no. I'm depressed. That's emotional bankruptcy. Just depressed. So how are you doing emotionally? Are you making progress? When the third month of this year, are you getting better? Are you still doing tantrums and scattering everything at the slightest provocation? Because when you are not emotionally balanced, you are not balanced. When you are not emotionally balanced, the devil takes advantage of that, slip you into depression. So we are not in church to play games or to just feel good or make God feel good that we came to church. It's so that we can gain emotional prosperity spiritual prosperity, and it has a ripple effect on our physical prosperity. You know, Jesus was talking about a man that built his house on the rock, and he said, um, the wind will come, the storm will come, and beat upon the house, and they have come to test the metal of the house, and he says, uh, um, if 
your house is not built on the rock, then it goes flat. But if it is on the, on the rock, which is the word of God, it stands strong. Some people don't need wind or storm. It's just breeze. Breeze just blow on them. Because you're not paying attention to your spiritual development. Any temptation, breeze, you're already flat on your face. Breeze, not storm. You know, some, some people are, they are customer to the devil. Say, yeah, this one, customer. Just blow him. Just blow one small suggestion. He has done it before he even thinks about it. Because he's not paying attention to his spiritual stability, his spiritual development. And all through this month, I'm going to be challenging you as I start this new series that I've tagged Kingdom Addiction. I'm going to be challenging you. The next four to five weeks, it's time to pay attention to the things that matter to the kingdom and the things that can bring some level of spiritual stability into your life. Are you still with me today? Yeah. Extremely important. Extremely important. You can, you can skew prosperity the way you like and, and put it in perspective the way you like, but it does not change the truth. It does not change the truth. And there's no better time to pay attention to your emotional stability and your spiritual development than the time of instability. When there are many things that will make you unstable. Many. Because the world itself is unstable. The economic situation is unstable. In the moment it is the dollar rate that determines your happiness, uh, you are in for a rough time. Seriously rough time. Because you just realize that you are, <laughs> let me not go there. You are in for a really rough time. That's, so there's no better time to take account, I mean, to take into cognizance the fact that you need to be able to measure. You need to be able to measure. Am I prospering in my soul? Yeah. Am I getting control of negative emotions? And, you know, the Bible says the spirit of a man will sustain his infirmity. One translation says the spirit of a man will hold him up in trouble. He said, a broken spirit who can bear. A broken spirit who can bear. That's why I need to pay attention to my spirit. Jesus says, pray that you enter not into temptation. That means I can prepare for temptation by stirring up my spirit in the place of prayer so that when it comes, I'm ready and I'm not flat on my face. That's why we say seven days without prayer makes one week. W-E-A-K, week, one week, not the regular week. Seven days without prayer will make one week. It, make, it will make me weak, it will make you weak. Glory be to Jesus. Let's step into the word of God together this morning. Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, that's where I love to read from. As we get into this new series, Kingdom Addiction. Kingdom addiction. Can you help me ask your neighbor, are you an addict? Don't make trouble if they don't answer. I'm not sure anybody really wants to answer. But I will ask the question anyhow. Praise God. Colossians chapter 3, I'll read from verse 1 down to 3. 
I read from the New King James translation, and I'm also going to see it from another translation. But let's read first from the New King James translation of Colossians chapter 3. I'll read from verse 1 to 3. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above. Somebody say above. above. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Let me read the first two verses now from the message translation of the Bible. It says, so if you are serious about living this new resurrection life with Christ, act like it. Pursue the things over which Christ presides. Don't shuffle along. Eyes to the ground, absorbed with the things right in front of you. Look up and be alert to what is going on around Christ. That's where the action is. See things from his perspective. The Lord bless the reading of his word. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for utterance this morning as we ride into your word. Bring transformation. Open somebody's heart and mind. Let none of us remain the same. Heal somebody here this morning, physically, emotionally. Set us on a, a, a path of destiny. Let everyone who has derailed come back on the straight and narrow path. Let your name be glorified in Jesus' name. Colossians chapter 3 here, the Bible is talking about the things that are above. It says, seek the things that are above. Seek the things that are around Christ. Seek what is priority for Christ. Understand what is in the mind of God so you can pursue it. Don't just, like the message translation says, uh, don't, 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 don't just, you know, tag along. Don't shuffle along. Eyes to the ground. Absorb with the things right in front of you. Look up and be alert to what is going on around Christ. That's where the action is. They see things from his perspective. See things from his perspective. The thing about addiction is that it comes from what you are seeking, what you are looking for. Some people are looking for pleasure. And then you get more than enough, and then you get into addiction. Some people are looking for relief. And as the economic situation becomes more unstable, many, people, many more people will get addicted to stuff. Addiction can be to substance, and it can also be to activities. It can be to substance and it can also be to activities. Some people are addicted to activities like gambling, that is becoming a little more pronounced here in Nigeria, especially on uh, um, the, how do I put it, the common man on the road. You see the betting companies are increasing on a daily basis and they are prospering because I see new offices all the time. Yeah, it means that people are engaging. That's what it means. Whenever you see people opening multiple stores, that means people are engaging. Yeah, 
So some people are addicted to gambling. Some people are addicted to, you know, pornography, sex, um, shopping, eating, internet. Some people is just uh, phone, social media. Yeah, they can't just get their phone off their hand. All the time they are with it and, you know, Though somebody is beside you, but for the next two hours, if the person says nothing, you are busy. Yeah, and it's, it's becoming an addiction. Video games, exercise, different things, activities. The list is endless. And when it comes to substance, you know, from common cigarette, which in itself has its harmful effect on the health, on our health, to some more serious things that are, we call them hard, hard, the ones that are hard, you know, hard drugs, uh, cocaine, some people call it coke, just to deceive us, they're not the same, yeah, and we know, <laughs> praise God, <laughs> uh, um, weed, all sorts of things, and you know, when people are looking for something, they find it in substance or activities. Some people are just looking for something to, to take their mind off something. And before you know it, they find it somewhere and they keep going back to it, keep going back to it. And that's how addictions develop. That's how addictions develop. What are you addicted to? Many people are not even aware that they are addicted to something. Sometimes we're addicted to something that is good. Sometimes we're addicted to something that is very bad. It's okay to be addicted to something that is good because it's, it's, it has to do with habits. You do it consistently. If it's moving your life forward, stay with it. If it's taking you away from destiny, find help. Find help. My prayer this season is that God is sending help to somebody here. Amen. The hold of that addiction is broken. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. You will just find out that what you were struggling with before, by the grace and the anointing of the Holy Spirit, has dropped off you. Amen. I cannot hear your amen. amen. Someone here may have been going through therapy and all that. When the help of God comes upon you, it fast tracks whatever effort that the therapists are bringing. That's what happens. And you just realize that you make tremendous progress in no time. That's how grace is expressed. So somebody needs to step into therapy. You may need to start talking to a professional because you cannot continue your life like this. But let me move into the crux of the matter this morning. The truth is that as believers, as perspective to the changes in time and seasons that we're experiencing in our nation should be shaped by what is priority to God. Matthew 6 when you read from verse 31 to 33, seek his kingdom and all other things shall be added. I said addictions come out of what we seek. What are you seeking? What are you looking for? Because it's what you seek that has a tendency to lure you into something that can then hook. God wants us to be hooked on him. He will be so delighted if you and I can be hooked on the kingdom. He will be so, so delighted. So, so delighted. So, so delighted. When we talk about the kingdom of God, what are we talking about? We're talking about God's sphere of influence. 
the domain of the king, the way of life, the overriding theme, the vision of the domain. Those are the things that make up a kingdom. So when we talk about the kingdom of God, what is the overriding theme of God's kingdom? The overriding theme of God's kingdom is love. And it's love for humanity. That's why in John 3, 16, the Bible says, For God so loved, so loved, so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. The overriding theme of God's sphere of influence is unconditional love. So that's why the heartbeat of God, the passion of God, is for souls. Not willing that any will perish, but that all will come to repentance. That's what the scripture says. The heartbeat of God is always for souls. For souls. For souls. For souls. Salvation of souls is God's heartbeat. And it remains heaven's priority. It remains heaven's priority. I'm just trying to make it clear when we talk about God's kingdom. God's kingdom. God's kingdom. At the heart of the kingdom of God, the overriding theme is love. And that's love for the soul of man. Yeah. So God's heartbeat, the passion in the heart of God, is to rescue men and women from destruction. So when we talk about when Jesus said, seek you first the kingdom of God, what he was talking about there is join forces with God to care for where people spend eternity. To care about the kind of life that people are living. To rescue many from destruction. To make your focus the things I mean, that matter to God and not just what, what you think is okay to focus on. Are you still with me today? I said, are you still with me today? So in Matthew chapter 6, when you read from uh, verse 31 there, I love to read it. It says, therefore do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For after all these things, the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need, knows that you need all these things. But seek first. Somebody say first. Say it again. Say first. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added to you. All these things shall be added to you. All these things shall be added to you. Ladies and gentlemen, we live in a time and an age where people seek all the things and live out the kingdom of God. And so God is always saying, look, you're seeking the wrong things. Your priorities are wrong. And I want to shape your priority. I want to change your priority. I want to change your focus. I want you to understand what is your best interest. When it's all said and done, what is your life all about? Jesus was trying to drive the point home with two parables. And I'm going to look at those two parables. And I'm going to also 
just briefly on the profile of a kingdom addict, and I'll bring this to a close. Jesus was driving this point home with two parables in the scriptures. The first one was a parable of the unjust steward in Luke chapter 16. Luke chapter 16. The parable of the unjust steward. There's no better way to make your life God's business than to focus on the things that God focuses on. Yeah. And to focus on the things that God focuses on. So Jesus was driving this point home from Luke chapter 16, the parable of the unjust steward. Let me give a summary of the parable and I will read the last two verses of the parable. This guy that the Bible calls the unjust steward, what happened to him? He, his master caught him that he was, he was cheating. He was stealing his master's stuff, he was double dealing and all that. And then his master, he got wind of the fact that his master was going to sack him. But because he was in charge of the treasury, what he did was to say, look, I know some of you guys are hoeing my master, so guy, you're hoeing 100,000, bring 50,000 and go. Uh, another person was hoeing 70,000, bring 25,000, keep the 45. About three or four of them, he, he arranged himself like we normally say, and he said to himself, what am I going to do? I can't steal, uh, this, that, 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 I can't dig. When I am released from stewardship, these guys will take care of me. Because the issue is keep that so that we can share it later. Are you still with me? <clears throat> now, Jesus, in Luke 16, when you read verse number 8, look at what he said. So, the master commended the unjust steward because he had dealt shrewdly. For the sons of this world are more shrewd in their generation than the sons of light. As a young believer, I used to read this passage and I just wonder, how will God be commending a 419 person? I don't know if you've read this parable before and you wonder just like myself, how on earth can the master be commending an unjust word who was, you know, settling himself and doing what we call in our climb here, 419. Now, but this was what Jesus was trying to say. That when you are in a position, like this guy was the treasurer, when you are in a position, what do you do with it? What do you do with influence? What do you do with affluence? Because Jesus was saying, look, what do you do with influence and affluence must be in your most important interest, your greatest interest, the overriding theme of your life. As far as this guy was concerned, he had some pride. He said, I can't dig, I can't do all that. He as far as he's concerned, survivor was the overriding theme of his life at that time. And Jesus said, the children of this world, they are more shrewd. They are wiser, one translation says, in their generation than the children of light. That means, at the slightest opportunity, they use their influence and affluence to resource their best interest. 
while the children of the kingdom use their you know resource vaguely without having at the back of our mind our best interest which is what the overriding theme of the kingdom of God salvation of souls so you are a manager at work like this guy you tell yourself I won't steal I won't do this one but the influence you have there the fact that you have staff who will listen to you you counsel people do you counsel them based on the kingdom are you looking at how their soul will escape hell have you spoken to them before about what is the greatest interest of your life because as a believer the overriding theme of your life should be the overriding theme of the kingdom of God where you belong. There's no better way to say my life belongs to Jesus than for us to have alignment when it comes to priority. But we have today many Christians whose lives are out of alignment with the priority of heaven. Jesus is doing his own stuff and we're doing our stuff. Some of us just think we'll just meet ahead and we'll be happy with each other. No, no, no. Because time will not permit, but when you get there, Jesus gave some sneak preview. He said, we'll meet ahead, though, and that time I will tell you I don't know you. Some will say, but we cast out demons in your name. And say, ah, no. Uncle, go and sit down. I don't know you. Because the overriding theme, the priority of your life has not been my priority. There, has, there hasn't been any form of divine alignment. Can somebody say with me today. I know if you're not responding, I understand. It's a hard message, but I've made up my mind to preach it. Yeah. The best way you can align with me today is to say, preach it, Pastor. Yes. Yeah. Glory be to Jesus. There has to be an alignment of priority. Heaven has an agenda. If I'm here to represent the kingdom of God and I make and I want to be a kingdom addict, my first preference is to align my priority with the priority of heaven. If the things that pumps, for the want of a better word, pumps Jesus' blood or beats his heart is not the same things that cause my heart to beat and jack, we are out of alignment. Completely out of alignment. So Jesus said, the children of this world, they are wiser in their generation, more shrewd in their generation, because they know what is their best interest and they pursue it with their influence and affluence. Some people have covenanted their business to the devil. And you see them sponsoring the things that will take people to hell. But you can't say I'm so much of a capitalist I don't care where the money of our company is going. All I just want is for us to make more money. Whose interest are you serving at the end of the day? The children of this world, they don't hide it. They don't, they don't, they don't. When they push their money into fun and entertainment and they have a blast, they take all the drugs available and they are, like they put it, they are wasted. They don't hide it. They have no shame to it. 
Go on YouTube, you see people wasted. Yeah. Go, and they record it and even put it online. There's no shame to it. How come I would be ashamed to say that this is the interest that I represent? And I would then say that I'm in alignment with God. It just doesn't work. That's why Jesus commended the unjust word. If you want to be unjust, be unjust very well. Let everybody know that you are using your influence to serve your best interests. Except you have not been able to identify what your best interest is. And if you, have, you haven't, I'm here to tell you today that your best interest is the overriding theme of God's kingdom, the salvation of souls. Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life that comes through Jesus. These are the overriding themes of God's kingdom. Let me show you another parable that Jesus used to buttress this point. That's Luke chapter 12, the parable of the rich fool. Parable of the rich fool in Luke chapter 12. Does God hate prosperity? No. Does he want us to be okay? Yes. Is he delighted when we make plenty of money? Yes. Where do we get into trouble with him when we step into out of divine alignment with his, his priorities? Look at this. The rich fool. What happened? Let me also paraphrase that and I'll read the last two verses. This guy said he planted, he did this, he did that. You know, there are two ways to be extremely wealthy. God can prosper you and the devil can also make you rich. But you need to decide whose interests you are going to serve. Yeah. It's very easy. Well, like they say, it's not so easy. I've listened to the testimony of one man before who wanted to become rich. They took him to Bar Beach in the middle of the night, told him to run the length and breadth I mean, ran the old length and came back naked. And they told him to kneel down, lift up his hand, and they put something on his head. And he said, should be carrying the thing around. They started the entire thing around midnight. It was at a full gospel meeting. The man was giving his testimony. He was there till 6 a.m. And he said, should go and drop the thing at one junction, maybe around San Jose from where He was stuck naked. People were already going to work. But according to his testimony, he started making money, actually. But thank God, he found Jesus. Because it's only the blessing that is from God that make one rich and had no sorrow. Because his life was in a great tumult. Yeah. So I'm saying that the devil can make, give somebody money. You don't have to be born again or speak in tongues to make money. There's nothing like that. See, if any pastor have told you that before, they are lying to you. Yeah. If it's about money, you don't, need, you don't need God to make money. You can use their diabolical powers. You can just be extremely diligent and use the wisdom of this world and you will make some money. 
But we must always ask ourselves, to what end? At the end of the day, to what end? Yeah. Because God said, my blessing make rich and had no sorrow. That's the one I want. The only thing is that when that one comes into your life, then you need to make up your mind whose interest you are going to serve with it. That was what happened to this guy whose story we are reading. Let me read those last two verses. Luke chapter 12, verse 19, 20 and 21. And I will say to my soul, so you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? Look at this last verse here. So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. What does it mean to be rich toward God? It means to resource God's priority. That's what it means. To use your influence and affluence to resource his priority. How can you say you are rich towards me and I'm supposed to be going to university and you have money and you're not sending me. That means you're not rich towards me. Am I saying the truth? So God says, my priority is souls. If your influence and affluence does nothing to promote my priority, you're not rich towards me. And he said, at that point, even if I was the one that prospered you, I will come against you. Yeah. Because there's a reason for which I release prosperity. There's a reason. There's a reason. There's a reason. So when you are disconnected from God's priority, his resources won't find, won't fund your own priority. Yeah, that's how it happens. You are disconnected from God's priority, his resources will not fund your own priorities. God is not prodigal with his resources. It's not. It's not. He proved it to Israel. I bless you. You run away from me. Now that you are okay, said so I'm going to deal with you. Because my, I'm not prodigal concerning my resources, my resources are for the promotion of my best interest, my priority. Anyone who wants to engage the help of God, especially in this turbulent time, to keep your head not just above the water, but to keep flying in the air, you need to realign yourselves with God's priority which is souls, which is souls. Are you preaching the gospel? Are you using your influence to bring people into the kingdom of God? Are you using your resources to bring people into the kingdom of God? Those are the great questions that we need to ask. Let me end this all up with a profile of a kingdom audit, and I'm only just going to take the first in, on the list. I have about five or six things on this list, and I'll continue from there next Sunday. The profile of a kingdom addict. Perhaps the only one I'll be able to take in this service this morning is that the kingdom addict prays kingdom-focused prayers. He prays kingdom-focused prayers. How do you know a kingdom addict? We're going to get more into it next Sunday. I encourage you, don't miss church. 
this month because you need to take stock of where you are heading and it's important. This is the kind of message that you need to immerse yourself into. Get a message after the service, listen to it over and again. The profile of a kingdom addict. One is that a kingdom addict prays kingdom-focused prayers. Kingdom-focused prayers. In Matthew chapter 6, the disciples of Jesus asked him, Master, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. So he gave them a template of prayer. We call it the Lord's Prayer. It's just a template. And look, but the template is very instructive. Very instructive. Jesus answered them, Matthew chapter 6 and verse 9. In this manner, therefore pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. After you hallowed the name of God and give him praise, the next focus is the kingdom. It says your kingdom come, your will be done on, in, on earth as it is it's after them. Give us this day our daily bread. Check the prayer pattern of the average believer. It is upside down. <laughs> Some people cannot even remember alobi. Alobi what? Bread. <laughs> no, 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 no. Fresh bread. Now. Give us today our daily bread. It's bread. Bread. Contracts. Proposal. Lord, I lift it up before you. And God is saying, this is not my priority. I'm delighted in this and I really want to do it. But you need to align with my best interest. This qualifies under addition. Addition. Matthew 6.33, addition, addition. Not priority, addition. Seek first the kingdom. He said all these other things shall be added, added, added. Contract, added. Funding, added. New projects, added. Job, added. Even children, added. How do you understand what I'm saying? Added, added, added. Jesus said, when you pray, pray after this manner. Our Father. It's all about him. All about him. Our Father who art in heaven. Give him some praise. Give him some worship. Hallow his name. And afterwards, his kingdom. Kingdom priority. Kingdom priority. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What's God's will? Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. What's God's will? That all men shall live in peace. What's God's will? Follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. What's God's will? That marriages will be successful. What's God's will? That children will know the way of God and follow it. What's God's will? That holiness will stand in corporate Nigeria. What's God's will? That our land shall be in peace and our leaders will have wisdom to lead us well. That's God's will. If I call a prayer meeting now, we're praying tomorrow. I want to pray for souls to be saved or for Nigeria to prosper. If I get 1% of those of us here today, tomorrow night at the prayer meeting, it may look good. But if I say that I will be anointing everybody with oil for prosperity, this place will be packed out. The people are not here now. You call them, they will come. 
You know the truth? Some people will come with 50 liter keg of oil of their own. Say, Pastor, Pastor, pray about it, pray about it. I want to send it to the village. We can anoint everybody in our yard. This is where we have turned, what we have turned Christianity to in our nation. In the beginning, it was not so. Read the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 2, 3, 4, 5. In the beginning, it was not so. It wasn't. It wasn't. Kingdom, 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 kingdom. Acts chapter 6, verse 4. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer. And that's not prayer of uh, give us uh, this day our daily bread, all those kind of things. No, 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 no. No, not at all. Not at all. Matthew chapter 9, uh, um, Jesus said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, the laborers are few, therefore pray the Lord of the harvest that he may send laborers to his harvest. That's kingdom-focused prayers. When you take it upon yourself to pray for a couple having issues, that's kingdom-focused prayers. Because the kingdom of God is about the will of God being done in every home. When you fast just to pray and entreat heaven, for somebody to receive healing, who is critically healed in the hospital, that's kingdom-focused prayer. When you make a list of 10 names of people that this new quarter, as I step into quarter two of this year, I want these five friends to start to know Jesus. And I'm praying for them every day. I'm inviting them to events that will bring them to the kingdom of God. That's kingdom-focused prayer. In the book of Luke chapter two, the Bible spoke about one old man. His name is Simeon. In verse 25, Simeon, when they brought Jesus to be dedicated at the temple, Simeon said, now let your servant depart in peace. For my eyes have seen the salvation of Israel. He had been praying for many years based on the words of the prophets, Isaiah, that a savior is coming for the people of God. The day they brought him, he recognized the savior. Ladies and gentlemen, when you pray kingdom advancement prayers, God speaks to you. All this, this kind of vague Christianity, you can't hear God, you can't hear anything, but you can hear the band, but you can't hear God. I hope you understand what I'm saying. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. I hope that for himself, it's not in the service somewhere because I know it comes around, yeah. It comes around here, yeah. That's why we'll set that, set that after the service, okay? So if you're around, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, what, that's what I'm saying. When, you, when your prayer is not all about yourself, you know what happens? God starts to steer your mind. See, how come God will be speaking to Abraham? Can I do anything without telling my friend Abraham? Because Abraham was a kingdom person. Abraham was interceding for Sodom and Gomorrah and asking God, God, if you find 10 righteous men, will you still destroy you know that time, Abraham had no problem. He didn't have assets in Sodom. Lot would have escaped. So what was his own? But yet, he knew that really, God really will not want to do that if there's somebody interceding and treating heaven. But today, we're children of Abraham, but we don't have Abraham's priority. Yet we sing Abraham's blessings are mine. Because things are happening in the Far East, now in Benue State, all that. Have you said one prayer for Agatu people? 
that's kin- because God is not delighted by their massacre. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. We, we, have, be, we have developed some kind of, I don't even know. The breed of Christianity that we're having right now, nothing touches us. Nothing. So far, your contract has been signed. Nothing. Yeah. But when we start praying kingdom advancement prayers, all these things they are running etas you know, about. You see tangible testimonies that will prove to you that God, you see God showing up to you, God revealing himself to you. You see God sharing his secrets with you. That's why intercessors always have prophetic insights. Because you can't be consistently in divine alignment with God and God will keep his secrets away from you. Glory be to Jesus. Can you hear me tap your neighbor today? What's your priority? Say God has priorities. His best interests must be served by your life. Tell your neighbor as you go into this week, look for someone to preach the gospel to. Glory be to Jesus. I know this is Lagos and we're always very busy. And people are dying around us and we're still busy. We can't even slow down a bit to feel what is going on around us. That has to change. And it's Christians that will model it. And we have to model it properly. And I'm trusting God that God's grace will come upon someone in this service this morning. As we go into the month of March, you'll gain emotional stability. You'll gain spiritual stability. You will seek God's kingdom until you become a kingdom addict. But everyone around you will know that Jesus is at work in your life. And your testimonies will be proof to everyone that our God is good. That when he says, I will add, you are seeing the addition. In the precious name of the Lord Jesus. Hold the hand of somebody close to you right there. Hold the hand of someone close to you right there. And begin to pray grace over that person. Say, Lord, reorder the priorities of my brother. Reorder the priorities of my sister. Let grace come upon your son. Let grace come upon your daughter. To be able to realign with you this season. I wanted to pray for someone today. Lord, bring emotional prosperity to the life of this person. If there's anything that is causing depression, anger, Lord, in the name of Jesus, restore your son. Restore your daughter. Let joy fill his heart. Let joy fill her heart. Lord, open the eyes of your son, open the eyes of your daughter to see the things that you're doing. Help us with grace to be able to partner with you. That your priority will become our priority. That when it's all said and done, we will not be found wanting. 